Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, brighten our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hello there. And Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, guys? How you doing? Well, apparently, we're here with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was hoping that Jason would answer with General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> Just right out of the gate. Uh, better luck next time, I guess. We're doing good. Just referencing Star Wars at the start. So, you know, yeah, it's always a good way to begin, right? Everyone loves Star Wars. There's absolutely no disagreement there. No, right? sure. No disagreement amongst the <laughs> fandoms. None Maybe. whatsoever. I don't know. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so we are on our second episode of our little series about Jolly. Yes. For Giallo January. Uh, I've noticed it's not been a thing that's popped off as big this year, so. That's okay. Sad, but we're going to keep those fires burning. We love Giallo, so, you know, we're going to keep, yeah. So today it. we are going to be talking about 1987's Delirium, directed by Lamberto Bava. But first, as usual, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. And before that, I have a bit of a shout-out to give. All right. Uh, in our kind of wrap-up of last year, I said I was going to check out the other podcasts that are on our network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. I've been doing that, passing the time at work. And, you know, there's no compulsion upon us to do these. I just wanted to because, you know, you should give back and give love to, like, other podcasts and stuff, I think. Agreed. Okay, yeah, sure. So I checked yeah. out uh, Haunted by Proxy, which is a newer one on the network. And it's actually by two dudes, uh, Joey and Landon. And I guess they have another podcast that's already in the network called Lunch Break. So I kind of, I guess, got to this out of order because I listened to this first. And I guess there's an earlier thing that would give me more context, but... Uh, it's basically a show where they just take creepypasta stories, and each episode is one story, and they just do it up with, like, good production. They've got, you know, music, sound effects where you want sound effects, and they just, like, present it as a story you can listen to. Cool. I think I've always thought that's a really good idea. Mm. Uh, creepypastas are, to me, they're a mixed thing. I know there's a whole subculture now where, like, they just love them and love everything. To me, it's like... I guess I can be snobby because I've got the English degree, <laughs> you know, and it's like... I mean, you don't have to have the degree to be snobby. You can just do it. It's one of those things where, like, almost half of them are crap because they'll be poorly written in some way or they make these weird pop culture references that, like, uh, take away a little bit. But isn't that part of the uh, verisimilitude that they're yeah, kind I, I of guess written that way? If you're, if you're into that, that's, like, part of the charm, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I listened to several episodes. I really liked it. The thing is, like, the production value is so, so good. And both of them have great reading voices, I think. Nice. So they really pull you into it. But it's going to kind of be like an anthology show, right? Like, some episodes you'll love. Some you're like, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's any genre, really. I mean, we'd really talk shit about them if they wrote them. <laughs> we'd be like, come on, guys. <laughs> well, that's the mystique of Creepypasta, right? Like, it's always yeah, anonymous. It, Maybe they are right? writing them. And <laughs> no. um, yeah, I enjoyed what I listened to. They've, they've got a few episodes in. You can find them. Just search them. I'll put it in the show notes. If you want to go check that out. Did you, you get scared? Not scared, but I was intrigued by a few. Okay. Actually, I'll mention just my favorite one of the ones I've heard. Intrigued. Was, he probably shat his pants. <laughs> At <laughs> it was, work. It was like the third or fourth episode, I think, and it was called The Donner Cut. And it's about this dude who's like obsessed, like psychic, psycho level obsessed with Superman. Yeah. And he is your narrator, so he gets a little unreliable as it goes, but it's like he's obsessed with Superman. He starts to date this chick because she kind of looks like Lois Lane. I thought you were going to say Superman. <laughs> and he has this whole like fantasy, right, of like, oh, she's she's his Lois Lane and this kind of stuff. And then as it spirals out of control, it gets into this thing of like his girlfriend goes missing. And there's like this killer that's like abducting women that look like Lois Lane. And then like shooting scenes from like the Donner cut of Superman 2. But then they turn into like torture killing things. Interesting. And it goes to a really crazy place. Yeah. So Cool. Sounds fun. 
quite like that. If you dig stuff like that, go check out Haunted by Proxy. Very cool. So what have you dudes been watching? Yeah, Michael, what have you been watching? Well, I told you guys I have to cheat because shit's been happening and I haven't had my normal movie time. Like, my kid's decided he doesn't sleep anymore and he doesn't take naps anymore and my wife's been home. And so, like, dude time is destroyed. It happens. <laughs> um, no, I, I, none of that matters. Carve an hour out of your porn time and, you know, watch a movie or something, How dude. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Shorten your masturbation ritual. Or, you know, just How kick it down and watch, like, a soft core or something so it's kind of relevant to the podcast. <laughs> so I can actually mention it. <laughs> uh, no, but what I did watch, um, I really dug a lot. Um, I finally caught up with Hawkeye. Oh, okay. On uh, Disney Plus. I also watch The Witcher as well, but... Talk, up, talk about Hawkeye. That'll trigger Dustin, so I'm just going <laughs> to watch... Uh, I, Hawkeye, basically, I mean, if you've seen any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you know, it's Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye and non-superpowered dude, you know, kind of mm. like in the mix of everything. Um, but these pretty much follow the Matt Fraction mm. comics. I love that comic run. It's a really great run. It kind of pokes fun at Hawkeye being... A non-powered, yeah, just a dude, superhero. Like yeah. he's just a dude with <laughs> arrows and sure. trick arrows and stuff. He should have been dead a long time ago. Oh yeah, um, but in that run, it brings in Kate Bishop, who mm-hmm. is kind of uh, the youngster archery hotshot that kind of is eventually going to take over the mantle of Hawkeye. You know, because he's not going to be able to do it forever. Um, but in the Disney Plus show, it's, she's actually played by uh, Haley Steinfeld, who is fantastic. She's, she's an good. amazing job. Actually, she's I've really been good. out on the Marvel stuff for a while, and this brought me back in because I love that comic run. And when I saw the trailers, I was like, dude, they are so like capturing the feel of that comic. It really did. And it's a it's actually a really fun Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Like It's set around Christmas, and it kind of... I hesitate to um, to say the dude's name because he's a shitbag, but it's kind of Shane Blackie in a way. You know, Shane Black. Mm. Lethal Weapon. But he... Okay, he okay. Also, he's kind of a shitbag and like... He has yeah. issues. Yeah, he's got some issues around uh, treating people appropriately and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, uh, it's it's just got a really fun tone. It doesn't take itself super seriously. And that's one of the things I like about it is sometimes the Marvel shows a little bit uh, up their own ass in some mm-hmm. ways. But this one really wasn't. It's just a lot of fun. I would almost consider it, it's only like six or seven episodes that almost if they condensed it a little bit, it could have been a film. Yeah. Mm. Just cut out some of the fluff. Even the pacing is pretty good for like a film too, because it kind of just builds and builds and builds. There's no like rise and falls. Yeah. It's, I really had a ton of fun with it. And honestly, I think it's my, probably my favorite Marvel show that they've come out with. I mean, I've liked the others, but this one just has a charm to it that I thought was a lot of fun. So yeah, Hawkeye on Disney Plus. I'm there with you, man. But you hate Disney Plus. I do hate Disney Plus, but but he likes Hawkeye. I'm a Marvel fan. I like Hawkeye. So what can I say? Hmm. Okay, that's cool. I'll give credit where it's due. All right. <laughs> I'll go next. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna stop you. <laughs> it's my turn now. <laughs> so uh, I picked up the Shoscope box set that Arrow put out. Uh-huh. Very awesome. It's a whole new world for me. I've only seen what you guys have shown me, which is just a little bit. And I've seen like one or two on my own. So I think the whole set, like all 11, 12 films, they're all like new watches for me. Okay, cool. So I checked out the first, uh, which is King Boxer from 1972. It's known in the West as Five Fingers of Death. That's how I saw it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and dude, oh, I loved yeah, it so much. That's like, classic. I grew up like loving like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and the arcades, those games. And when I watched this film, I was like, everything that's like the the concept and the culture of that, like all was like kind of pulled from film, pulled from films like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It's one of those that it it almost gets it almost puts you off because Tarantino's so vocal about how much right. he loves it that sometimes and it's you're got like, the this music cue that he used in uh, Kill Bill. But there's times where when Tarantino backs something really hard, you're like, God damn, I don't want to watch <laughs> well, that. Say what you will about Tarantino, he does have good taste. Yeah, he, he does, he does. But sometimes he, you know. He puts you off of something. Sure. So. Yeah. Any rabid fan can do that. And it's one of those things I know, like, it can be impenetrable a bit to get into these martial arts films. I know for a lot of people, like, they're all, they're all the same. They're all, like, it all just kind of blends together. But it's like, what do you want in a film? Like, this has a dude who can headbutt people to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got, you know, people with swords decapitating people. Check, check. Uh, you've got a guy whose special signature move is to pluck people's eyeballs out. <laughs> Check, check, check. And then, you know, it all it all builds up to that iron palm technique, the five fingers of death, where it's like he slams a guy with his palm and leaves this bloody <laughs> print on their chest and just, like, blows them back into the wall and cracks the wall. Yeah. And it was so epic and so much fun. It's great. I think with the Shaw Brothers stuff, uh, there's actually a fantastic um, documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Oh, shit. I know the one you're talking about. It's like Flying Fists. Or, high Kicks or something like uh, that. Yeah, it goes into a lot of Shaw Brothers, mm. stuff like that, and kind of mar- just martial arts film mm. history in general. But the Shaw Brothers stuff, I think you do have to be in the right mood for it. Right. It's It feels silly only because I think we've... Like pop culture's made it kind of silly. Well, when did King Boxer come out? Like seventy two or something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how old is that? How long? How how many years has it been like recycled and parodied? Right. And and the other thing too, I think for a lot of people, the cheesiness is like the English dubs, which they're on there. But I watched it in no. Mandarin. Yeah, watch. I've always watched them in in Mandarin or the so, original language. Of course, when you take those dubs, they're they're almost goofy on purpose in a way, a little bit, just the way they sound, right? And some of the like the voices they give people, but it's very different to have it in the original language. That's much better. They're comfort movies for me. They've always been ones like if I have trouble sleeping, I can put those on and I'm just, I feel comforted. Like, ah, there we go. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm a movie or two in, so I'll keep reporting back on that. Excellent. You've got Five Deadly Venoms to get to. Yeah, that's so. like at the end of the set. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really good. That too. was killer. And I think they've, they've slated like two more of these on the way, so. Nice. I wanted that box set, man, but it was pretty pricey. Yeah. It's on Arrow. Everything's streaming on Arrow right now. I know it is, but Good like, endorsement for the Arrow mm-hmm. player. It is, but like... Dude, Dustin, it's like six bucks. But the box set that Dustin has looks super fucking cool. It does look cool. Yeah, I come home every day from work and I just pet it on my shelf. <laughs> and, you know, is that good. all you do? <laughs> do you get consent first? Jason, what do you watch? <laughs> we don't even talk about that. Okay, well, I'm going to break some rules too, because I want to talk about the second season of The Witcher. Oh, uh, <laughs> someone that needs another host for a podcast, come and get me so I can leave this show. <laughs> Uh, no, I want to talk about a movie that was released last year and made a bunch of those best movies you missed mm. list things. Um, it's directed by, hang on, sorry, Anthony Scott Burns. It is called Come True, C-O-M-E-T-R-U-E. Okay. Listen, after watching Delirium, you had to clarify <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, uh, It's one of those movies that... Okay, here's the blurb on IMDb. 
A teenage runaway takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. Okay. Sounds cool. It is. It's not a conventional type horror film. It's very kind of retro in a lot of ways. There's definitely some 80s influences, especially with the music, which is excellent. Uh, the performances are all solid. Uh, the lead's really good. She's, uh, what's her name? Julia Sarah Stone. Hmm. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. She's really good. Um, it definitely captures that dream-like essence really well. It's one of those movies you can't talk too much about without spoiling something. Sure. So it's best to watch it. But if you like, I don't know. I would say it's kind of like, oh, man. I don't even know what how to describe it. Kind of like Cronenberg meets... Mm. Lynch. I'm in. <laughs> but not like... Uh, you said the two magic words. I know, I know. Uh, but not quite like either of those. You know, mm. it's it's not as... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Visceral mm. as Cronenberg. See, that's kind of how I felt about that ultrasound movie that I saw at Fantasia. Oh, uh, okay, yes. Yeah. Um, but if you're in the mood... For, if you like something that's a little slower and very moody, um, check it out. I think you'll like it. Interesting. Come true. Come true. Where'd you watch it? Um, it was on... That's a good question. I think it's on Shudder? Or maybe I rented it. I may have rented it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, well, I'm out. <laughs> Michael's out. I'm uh, still, uh, yeah. cost money. I am still in if it's uh, Lynch and Cronenberg. <laughs> what if he just said that to trigger you to get to, like, to watch it? Then uh, he'll hear about it after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not fucking Lynch, man. He's going to come after me. Bullshit. I t- what? Okay. Yeah, I think I just paid for it on Amazon. Ah, oh, okay. shit. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> what, what would you rate it? Because this might be... I might just jump for the Blu-ray. Oh, oh shit. no. See, now you're putting me on the spot, man. Oh, oh, oh wait. Oh. It's it's on Hulu. That's right. It's okay. on Hulu. Oh, well, I'm in. Never mind. I'll save the <laughs> I'm in. Oh, God. It's such a... <laughs> See, I'm afraid now you're going to watch it because I compared it to Cronenberg. That is why watch. we do this segment, Jason. Yeah, we're no. telling people whether to watch. No, something I'm, or I'm not afraid to Dustin watch will watch it and then come back saying, "Bro, that was bad." What but are you talking about? Part of the segment, like we tell each other what we watch, right. and then like you recommend it or you don't. Guys, I'm right. feeling it. My hype is building for this. <laughs> if I were to rate it, I would give it four stars. Out of four five. star from Jason. I've known Jason for a long, long time. But wait till you hear what I give Delirium. Don't get too excited. <laughs> and if there's anything I've learned from Jason, it's to prepare myself for a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. I actually had trouble saying that out loud because it's not, it's not really true. I mean, sometimes, but that's mostly just emotional. Most of my past lovers would agree with you. <laughs> Jason, your pick this week, Delirium, continuing on in our Giallo January. Yes, Delirium. Um, Made in 87, which I would consider probably the late phase of the Giallo genre. You're not a fan of the 90s Gialli? Was there there (laughs) any? I don't know, like the card player, maybe. 
was that nineties or early two thousands? Well, I know I know what you mean. There were probably mm. the few straight outliers, mm. but I think much like the slasher craze, this is one of the last of that first like twenty year burst, or I guess almost thirty years. Sixties, seventies, eighties. Yeah, kinda. yeah. Um, directed by Lamberto Bava, who most people probably know uh, from Demons One and Two. Awesome. Right, and notably, he's the son of Mario Bava, right? Correct. And you'll see a lot of credits of him working on other, like, the Italian greats. Oh, yeah. And you look for, like, his name and where it pops up. Absolutely. And he actually was the assistant director on a lot of his father's movies, like Kill Baby Kill, Bay of Blood. Oh, I love Bay of Blood. Yeah. It's great. I just recently watched that one. That's amazing. It's, it's really good. And, you know, good he stuff. made me think of, uh, was it Mikel Suavi? Because he also, he mm-hmm. kind of worked on all of these and was involved. And then he eventually goes on to direct his own stuff, too. Right. Yep. Um, so, I mean, being Mario Bava's son, man, that had to be rough. Because you're right. going to be constantly compared to your father's work. Mm-hmm. That's why you just either go balls to the wall, <laughs> which is demons, right? Yeah. I mean, basically, Lamber- <laughs> Lamberto Bava was like, man, they're never going to compare me to my dad. <laughs> I'm just going to give you some shit that you ain't never going to compare. <laughs> now, I think Lamberto Bava is considered one of the lesser Italian directors, but I mean, he's done some pretty good stuff. Like the demon movies, uh, they're two them. of my favorites. Yeah, I love them. Of all the Italian so horrors, yeah, they're they're way up there. I regularly send a video clip of the smash everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I regularly send that to people. Right, such a fun movie, great soundtrack. And so, so for the uh, Jolly World, he's got I think three to his name, I believe. A yes, bl- a Blade in the Dark from 1983, Midnight Killer from 86, and then the one we're doing, Delirium from 87. I have not seen Midnight Killer, but I do like Blade in the Dark. Mm. I haven't seen either of those. I want to check them out. Yeah, it's good. It's worth watching. Are they as horny as Delirium is? No, no. <laughs> this is probably his horniest movie. This is one of the horniest um, movies I've seen in a while, though. Like, So let's start there, actually. like We always talk about genre, and we know, like, duh, this is Giallo. We've uh-huh. been over that. We've done the breakdown. You can go back and find that in another episode. Um... When I look this up, though, I see it described as an erotic giallo. That's what I saw. An erotic giallo. Like an erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. Erotic giallo. I mean, a The lot fan of... favorite of 3AM on HBO. <laughs> yeah, back in the old Skinamax <laughs> But I really think a lot of giallo is erotic giallo, though. Like, this one just happened to be... Well, I think when we talked about, like, the themes that are present, one of those is sort of like a, a focus on, like, sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a sexual perversion, in quotation marks, mm-hmm. you know? Although the guy in this one might qualify for the perversion part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's some fucked up shit going on there. Uh, But I I don't know. Sure, I could see them saying... Well, this is thirstier than most of them, though. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. But I don't know. The theme is still very present in a lot of them. Oh, sure. This one just goes the extra mile to make sure that you know (laughs) that Lamberto Bava wanted to see some boobies. Um, Because it opens with boobies. Yeah. And so before we go (laughs) super deep on the film... One of the cool things I think we can do when we're having this like series of episodes is we can kind of like, revisit ideas. So I want to go back to last episode when we talked about this like neo giallo idea with like okay. Malignant and Last Night in Soho and I stuff like that. I thought you were like about that. to say Neo Geo. No, no, which no, they have some of my favorite arcade games. They do, <laughs> love them. Um, but no, we talked about that and we kind of all came down pretty hard on that. Like, you know, we don't like it, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to pose the question this time, kind of revisiting that idea. If three of us together collectively have decided we don't like that, other people can disagree, that's fine. Why do you think maybe that term is being used so much if, as we say, it doesn't quite fit? I wondered if either of you had thoughts about that, because I had a realization after we recorded that episode. Um, Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say because it sounds fancy. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think it's <clears throat> saying like something is giallo, I think is almost a hook right. that you can throw out and get film nerds in. And it's not just like, I don't know, Malignant had a big draw. Right. It really did. It hooked. It brought in a lot of people. It did what it should do. It sparked a huge conversation online, whether it was civil or not. <laughs> but I, you can't fault the movie for doing that. Like, th- that's what you want. You yeah. want people to get either real riled up about it so they go watch it. Sure. There's mm-hmm. just a difference between Giallo influences and actual Giallo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but marketing, that was the thought I came back to. It made me think about when we talked about elevated horror, right? It was like, where did that term come from? And kind of what we concluded was like, it's basically a marketing thing because you can put that on something. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what it means, whether it's like a thing or not. And when they know that, they will say, oh, I like this. I will now... Yeah. Buy it. That's why there's like a thousand subgenres of heavy metal. Right. <laughs> and when you think about Giallo now, like it's it's really had a huge resurgence thanks to all these boutique labels and the restorations they've done. And it's, you know, all these different companies, Arrow, Severin, Vinegar Syndrome, they have these little curated collections of Giallo now that are restored and nice and awesome. And it's really picked up a lot of buzz, I think, in recent years. Yeah, that's true. So it's much more like present and on the mind, I think, of people. It was interesting. Like, I, I really hate to keep like sticking on Malignant, but Malignant's kind of the... That's a piece of shit. Go right ahead. <laughs> well, well, that is what exploded the conversation. It is. Yeah. It is. And the way they marketed Malignant was basically like in from places like Bloody Disgusting and Dread mm-hmm. Central and all those, all those sites and everything. When they're putting out their interviews with Juan and he's talking about like, oh, all the Giallo influences and everything, those sites cater to horror buffs. Right. And so they're throwing that out there to mm-hmm. hook us, to be like, oh, interesting, okay, you know, like, it's his take on Giallo kind yeah. of a thing. That was my whole inroad, it was, it was like, when I first heard about it, it was, James Wan is making his next film, it's going to be his Giallo. And if you were to actually tell me the story of Malignant, I'd be like, fuck that shit, I have no <laughs> desire to watch it. Do you think it was a trick? Like, just something to make us No, I genuinely think on? that, I genuinely think that he thought. Hmm. That he was doing Giallo, but maybe in his head, what was in his head and what came out on screen were very different. Maybe he has a sentient tumor that does things when he's not conscious. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh God. I still need to watch it so I can actually have a, a stake in the conversation. But yeah, that, I just wanted to revisit that thought real quick before we, okay. before we get all kinds of weird with delirium. Cool. Yeah, marketing probably plays a huge factor in that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> so delirium. Delirium. Yes, it opens with uh, a gratuitous centerfold shoot. <laughs> it shows the star of the movie, Serena Grande, who plays Gloria. Gee, <laughs> uh, she's the boss of a publication called Pussycat. It's like a men's magazine. Type I love thing. the name of that magazine. Yeah, it's man. great. It's yeah. just so classic. And I think the first thing we can say about this film, especially in contrast to Death Walks at Midnight. Death Walks at Midnight was so beautiful in its intro, and so, like, the sweeping shots and the music and the atmosphere. <laughs> Jason's disagreeing immediately. He's like, well, I can think of some beautiful things and that I saw. And Delirium is just like, it's like you're watching a made-for-TV movie, almost. Just, like, right out of the gate, it's like, whoa. Right. The it, contrast it is. is so stark, I think. It is. It's late 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing you were getting then. <laughs> it, it wastes no time. It gets directly to the point. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Yeah, she's at her house, and they're doing a photo shoot in her pool, uh, so that gives you more opportunity for some gratuitous nudity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Which this film is all about. Yeah, it is. It celebrates it, and I'm okay with that. Uh, (laughs) Her assistant, Evelyn, is there, played by Daria Nicolodi. 
we need to talk about for a second. I think most horror fans probably know her a little bit at least. Italian film royalty. Yes. She was a partner uh, with Aja Argento. Aja Argento. She's the mother <laughs> of Aja Argento. She was a partner of Dario Argento for a long time. I worked with him on all of his movies. She was in Deep Red. She was in Tenebrae. Uh, she co-wrote Suspiria. Uh, yeah. she's She was actually also in Mario Bava's final theatrical film, Shock, mm. which Lamberto was the AD on. So this was a little reunion for the two of them. Nice. That's a good, fun Easter eggs for you there. I love that time and just how like interconnected that whole group yeah, was. Yeah, right. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's like an incestuous family. <laughs> Interesting that you should bring that up. Oh, <laughs> Spoiler! I wonder why. So we meet some other characters here too. There's the uh, photographer who is what? Roberto, I think. Roberto. Um, and Tony, who is Serena's brother. Yes. And he's kind of like the director of the photo oh, shoot. Tony, man. Tony in that scene is like, you want her to want you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Feel yeah. her up more. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah. Smile more. Yeah. You like it. <laughs> And the guy who plays Roberto is, hang on, let me find his name. David Brandon, right? Uh, Carl Zinni oh. is Roberto. Mm. And he was in Demons. He was one of those two main guys. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. I thought the, he one, looked the one that got demonified. Yeah, I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. Uh, he has an interesting face. That's mean to say. No, I mean, he's, he's good looking, but it's also like, he kind of reminds me of uh, Ramirez and Night Stalker a little bit. He's got that kind Whoa. of... <laughs> hey, women thought he was really attractive. Well, that's a whole other conversation about Monday. <laughs> the attraction of serial killers. <laughs> it's, that, it's that dangerous Ooh. kind of attractive. You know Save that for true crime exposure. <laughs> <laughs> I've always gone for that look of the dangerous kind of attractive, but it just turns out creepy. That's <laughs> what I go for. It's just you got to balance that on the razor's yeah, edge. You're trying to you know, be all mysterious, and they're like, he's just weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, something else I wanted to mention since we were talking about assistant, Weird. assistant directing. Creepy people. Because uh, Lamberto Buffa was also the AD for Tenebrae, which he also worked with Dara Nickelodeon. And he was also, and I, didn't, I forgot about this, but he was the AD for uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Whoa. Interesting. Wow. Amazing pedigree. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> Back to the photo shoot. Right. Back to the boobs. I think that's all the main characters we're introduced to here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very lavish looking mansion. Yeah, they're living at yeah, too. big old pool. Uh, oh, we do see Mark here in the intro. We do too. see yeah, Mark. Mark's yes. there. The neighbor across the street. There's a man. Uh, well, young, a young man. He's not a teenager. Probably like early twenties or something. That was the vibe I got. Yeah, in a wheelchair with a telescope, watching everything going on. And uh, I don't know. If, I'll just say it. Rear window. Oh yeah. I feel like we mention that every time we talk yeah, about Tiago. Almost rear window. <laughs> yeah, nod right here. And he calls Gloria, and he has some choice dialogue for her. I think the best thing, though, so my wife didn't actually watch this movie with me. That's but probably she the was best. in the room with me while it was playing, and she was doing something else. But she had a lot of choice commentary from just hearing things. And so she heard uh, Mark's, uh, you know, <laughs> honestly, they're super, like, I think we should talk about the well, kind of well, stuff that he says. One of his lines is, if I told you I was playing with it, would you come over and help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. very much like the low voice, breathy, like, yeah. converted collar. He's definitely thing. a sex pest. It's all very offensive things to say to anyone. Yeah. Um, and, but the way that Gloria handles it is like the most savage thing when she's like, 
I'm bored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're boring. Yeah. Like, and so my wife is in the other side of the room, and she's like, "Fucking savage." <laughs> and that's, and I'll talk more about Gloria in a little bit, but I, I, I love that about her because you know she's heard this shit a mm-hmm. billion. Oh times. yeah, I mean she is a former model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and did a lot of nude scenes and a lot of nude shots. That is now basically in charge of this mag. And don't so. forget, this was the '80s. You yeah. know, back when. It was a lot more permissible for men to talk to women like this. Yeah. I don't know if it ever was, but not to the degree that Mark goes. I don't think. <laughs> no, I mean I agree. I agree, but <laughs> this is very much a look in the past, though. Like if you look at Delirium with lenses of today, yeah, you're like, holy shit, right? <laughs> but then you also have to think of, fuck, people actually talked like that, you know? Like, bec- but also the three of us are very terrified of females in general so we don't, <laughs> I don't really know if terrified's right uh, yeah we'll tell karen you said that <laughs> she's right upstairs you know shh be quiet <laughs> i said bitch. Uh, so, so i think that for us like when that conversation comes around we're always kind of like why would why would you talk to somebody like that you know mm. it's hard for me to grasp but i also understand that oh my god that happens all the time right oh, yeah. and, and we also know immediately this is the first time he's t- called her and oh her yeah like yeah that. it's very evident they, they they know each other to some degree yeah <laughs> uh, so in the wake of kind of this photo shoot we get a little bit more like plot drops as far as like the setup and what's going on mm-hmm. uh we know that this magazine pussycat it was ran by Gloria's husband. Yes. Who's passed away and he has left it to her. Yes. She tells the story while putting on the let me tell you my background story music. Yeah. yeah. She walks over <laughs> the stereo, turns on this generic music, and then goes into the spiel about how he died in a car wreck and stuff. And this is where I need to bring this up. I was wondering when, but I think now's the best time. So much of like the overall plot that doesn't really matter, but it's just kind of the setting to what's going on. It's like a soap opera basically. Oh, it's right? very it's much soap super opera. Super soap opera. Yeah. Um, but that's also kind of a trademark of a lot of Gialli. When I first showed Tiffany a Giallo, that was her immediate thing. She's like, this is just a soap opera that's like kicked up yeah. into a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of rich, bitchy people, usually, in Gialli. Uh, and we all, there's also this one part, and it's early on, when the girls are getting out of the pool and stuff. Tony, Gloria's brother, he gives her this really long, awkward, intense stare mm-hmm. while she's walking away. Well, and he's you're an like, artist. What's that about? He's an artist. Right. He's probably like thinking of his next photo shoot <laughs> he gives a lot of people in the film weird awkward long stares <laughs> yeah yeah and there's a lot of red herrings in this movie too there, some of my favorite are the ones where they like specific <laughs> it's like okay well no i never thought that was the killer but thank you for <laughs> trying to point out that and we know that's not the killer right but right nice try <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Gloria's telling the story, her background, to mm-hmm. Kim, one of the models who was in the pool. And they get done, whatever, okay. Yeah, cool. they're having like a dinner, right, I think? Yeah, they're all having a dinner together. Everyone else leaves because Evelyn was there. I guess she lives with Gloria. Yeah, which is also important to note. One of the things that I noticed, because I've seen this before, but on the second watch, caught a lot of things. Um, it's that, that deep of a movie. You need to watch it multiple times. <laughs> that dinner... That scene opens with a horribly inappropriate joke for mixed company. And one that's not even funny. Yeah, it's not oh, yeah. funny, but it's like yeah. setting, still continuing through that theme of men just being fucking awful. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's even... one of those awkward things where, like, you come in on it so you don't have the whole setup. Yeah. And so it's just like, what the fuck are they talking about? But there's in no situation would that yeah. joke ever be appropriate mm-hmm. or okay. But also something interesting is that it's intimated that Roberto is gay and he's the one telling the joke. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So it's almost like, is he just trying to, is he not out? And is he just trying to use that macho, horrible facade to fool people? I'm not sure. But either way, like when I saw that again, I was like, Jesus, man. Because like, <laughs> you feel the... You feel the discomfort of everyone else at the table. Mm-hmm. Like when he tells the joke, they're like, oh. Because really just Tony that laughs at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But everyone else, all the women there are like, oh. Mm-hmm. That's oh. great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I think Evelyn's kind of like she lives with Gloria. Yeah, like her personal assistant. Yeah, like a personal assistant I think is a good, good way And to then it. Uh, Tony and Roberto leave. So it's just Gloria and Kim, the model. She tells her story. Kim goes to leave. And also, while Gloria's telling her story, we see some POV from outside. Yep, we got the killer POV. And there's a blue filter and then a red filter. They kind of alternate, which is very giallo. I mean, those colors. And then when Kim leaves, and this is when you start putting it together that it's the killer's POV, because she walks into frame and she's just, her head is a huge eyeball. Yeah. With all these veins around it's it. It's an amazing visual. Yeah. It's really arresting. It really is the first and time you see it. And the colors start to flash and change more, and you get this crazy, like, almost rock music that kicks in. Yeah. yeah. That, one of my <laughs> issues with this movie is the music, because it's almost cool. I'm pretty sure it's a drum machine, but it's kind of a cool beat at first. But <laughs> then it just becomes it's uber cheesy. Almost cool if it were not all used at the wrong times in the movie. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, the department store later when <laughs> Gloria's running and the music doesn't fit the scene at all. Yeah, that like, part's really bad. Someone should have checked the music if, on if, that one. If Claudio Simonetti or Goblin had done this score, mm. that would have been awesome. The score felt very secondary for this. Yeah, scene. yeah. Like right. it was like, oh shit, we need music. Grab the drum machine. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah chick with a giant eyeball and he kills her with a giant fork with a pitchfork. oh wait no it's supposed to be a pitchfork it's a pitchfork <laughs> because in this lavish um estate that's obviously in the town you would need a pitchfork for things the prop is so bad like i literally like is that i was like is that a fucking giant fork <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very shiny pitchfork mm-hmm but they end up like the, well yeah what are you going to use it for well, well, the, at a mansion well the police <laughs> it indicate have a farm. that it's the gardeners mm-hmm. you know and I, who knows what they do I think she's she's rich and she just bought a I bunch need of one stuff. of this and one of this <laughs> yeah. and one of this I think we need that big fork thing yeah oh, yeah but he, he stabs her she falls in the pool yes and uh, what is it Mark Mark, Mark calls it yeah, yeah Mark calls Gloria says oh there's been a murder Kim's dead and Gloria thinks that she's he's just you know pulling her chain that kill mm. is actually pretty cool it's not mm. bad it's, yeah they get some blood spurt she falls back in the pool I think it's the it's very visceral though like the feeling of it feels very visceral it reminded it, me of the prowler yeah yeah mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of a combination of the pool kill and the one in the shower not nearly as good as oh that. god no that was not prowler's got amazing kills horrible movie but amazing <laughs> kills <laughs> but I think they were definitely kind of referencing that. So yeah, it's like the true rear window moment where he tries to warn her, but she doesn't believe him at all because he's clearly probably spent like months and months just like negging her. Sure. She goes out and there's no sign of nothing. There's nobody in the pool. There's no blood. Okay. Ooh. Nothing. Sure. Yeah. And so that just kind of confirms to her like, oh, you were just trying to get me to come out because she's kind of like dressed for sleep. you know? And it's raining. Yeah, and it's raining. Mm-hmm. And it's very gratuitous. <laughs> she's in a very sheer gratuitous outfit, mm-hmm. you know. And Serena Grandi, she is like, uh, she's considered like an Italian sex symbol of the 80s. I can see why. She's, she's a very, she's very attractive very voluptuous, woman. very mm-hmm. attractive. Yes. I mean, I actually own what she was wearing uh, in that scene. <laughs> I sleep in it regularly. So Do you look as good? <laughs> you know. You know the answer to that. Yeah, it's no. Our listeners, 
Our listeners don't. This is, <laughs> Not yet. This is all audio. Not until we start the OnlyFans. This is all audio. <laughs> you only know me by my voice. <laughs> wow. All right. <clears throat> so right now we got three suspects. Actually, four suspects. It could be anyone. It could be Tony. It could be Roberto. It could be Evelyn. It could be Mark. Could be Mark. Because how do we know <laughs> that he's actually really stuck in the wheelchair? Every time, man. Every time somebody talks about <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Mark. Like, hi, Mark. <laughs> That's just seeped into culture now. It has, yeah. yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't name your kid Mark. I know. But so now this is where we get the cut to like the killer again, right? I think. Um, well, first, it's the next day at the office. Mm, yeah, yeah. Where very awkward scene, I think, where she's coming in and she's just like, "Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning." And there's n- nude photos everywhere, <laughs> yeah. but it is a men's magazine. What do you expect? Uh, Tony and Roberto are over there just like doing their thing on the. Yeah, we like should say too. This is uh, this is in English, and I don't think there is an Italian version. I don't know of an Italian one at all. But yeah, we watched the English dub, which wasn't bad. If the ADR thing bothers you, I think it really stands out in this film, though. No worse than even some Argento movies, honestly. I think it's better than some. Like, it's definitely better than a lot I've seen. So. Yeah. It's not terrible. Uh, <laughs> You're wrong, Dustin. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, I'm fuck sorry. me, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, waiting to meet Gloria is Fiora. Oh, yes. An older lady. So, we go back to the soap opera plot. Yes. This she, is where it really kicks in. Because she wants Pussycat. She wants the magazine. And it's kind of implied that she sort of had a connection to Gloria's husband. Or, I, I thought it was implied that Fiora wanted to get with Gloria. Oh, really? That's the impression I got. Mm. Which I think is the correct impression. I don't know. I don't think it was subtle. I guess the ancillary question to that is, who is the random chick that's living with her? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's her yeah. personal assistant. Yeah. Um, which, you know. Yeah, but so they, they bitch about the magazine. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say bitch. That's kind of Yeah, that's kind of... They, damn, they, dude. They quibble about the magazine. Don't and cut that out. Control Keep that it in. And, oh, no. Dustin get canceled. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yes, they go back and forth about the magazine. I mean, they do, and it's so it's so pointless, and it doesn't add anything to the movie, and it's just like the window dressing for well, things. Fiora does say something about how if it wasn't for her helping her out earlier in her career, mm-hmm. Gloria would be a prostitute. Yeah, and even Gloria says that she worked her way up. Yeah, you know, she Gloria's line about prostitution was great. When she's basically like, "Yeah, well, prostitutes still can make a living." Yeah, mm-hmm. right, and it's like. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> like she takes her insults. Like I'm not really. And, and we're using the word prostitute because that's what they use. Yeah. I prefer sex worker, but but you know. well, that's, that has so many different meanings. It does. Sex worker doesn't just mean prostitute. But kind right. of one of the things they float here is that it's suggested that Gloria only got with this guy kind of for the money, but she right. sincerely loved him. Yeah, which I believe. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's the whole point of that, which also gives us another possible suspect. Right. This whole scene was really weird to oh, me because... we forgot to mention something real quick, sorry. Okay. Uh, Mark told Gloria that the only thing he saw about the killer was... No, wait, that comes up later. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. This, All the stuff that's happening within the magazine. So my wife has been watching this... She didn't get to watch TV that much because she works all the time. So when she's home, she usually tries to find something that's like super... Uh, Low commitment. Pretty much, yeah. That she can just have on in the background like or whatever. Non-gory or traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> so she's been watching this um, show that's apparently on TV land, but it's on Hulu called Younger. And it takes... It's really... It's rough. Uh, it's really rough for me to handle. What's uh, it about? Oh, it's this lady who lies about her age to say she's a millennial so that she can actually get a job. The whole... I'm uh, out. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, 
But I hear it all the time, and like I've seen a lot of the stuff because she has it on, and their whole situation takes place within like a, a book publishing, and so like all they're talking about publishing, and I'm like, honestly, I'd rather read Pussycat. Like, <laughs> and then you hear like the talk about Pussycat's publishing, and it's just it's a really funny juxtaposition to me, and with her especially listening in on it, it's like almost like she's in the same genre but very different yeah. worlds. Mm. And you know, I should say, I do like, it's before she goes in for the meeting with Flora, she stops to talk to uh, Mark and Roberto, or not Mark, uh, um, Tony, Tony and Roberto, because they're like picking the photos for the magazine, mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, Gloria, come here, which one should we do? And she's sort of just like, oh, I'm sure you'll handle it, you know what's yeah. best. <laughs> to your job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you kind of get the sense that Gloria, like, she does well running this company, like, she's a good boss, mm-hmm. but it's not what she wants to do. Right. She wants, she misses being a model, like in a lot of ways. She kind of did the thing where it's like you surround yourself with the right people that can do their job. Even she makes the comment about um, her office Mm -hmm. uh, that basically she doesn't want to be in that office. Right. She tells Evelyn that you should have the office. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, there's a shark waiting for you in there. (laughs) You know, it's. Yeah, it's like in the Star Trek movies when Captain Kirk was promoted to the Admiral, but he didn't really want to be just a desk jockey, he wanted to be out there in the action. Did you just try to get, like, one Star Trek <laughs> reference an episode? I, I do my damnedest. I do my damnedest. When we do sci-fi films, if you don't bring a Star Trek movie, I'll be surprised. So Gloria is just like Kirk. That's my point. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the next scene, we see the killer dragging Kim's body. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. Wrapped in plastic Laura Palmer style. Uh, into a studio bathed in red and blue lights, mm-hmm. and there's a big picture of Gloria on the wall. Huge, just huge, massive, massive. And he puts the Kim's body in front of that and takes pictures. This reminded me a lot of uh, Dead and Buried. Yeah, I can see, I that. Can see that. Yeah, buried. But this is that whole like cool, stylish. Like you get the killer doing something weird. Right. That's pretty um, much a good hallmark of mm-hmm. almost all Gialli, especially Argento films. Well, you need to establish that your killer is not psychologically. Sound, sound, yeah, sound. Killing someone wasn't enough. Well, and so the takeaway from it, <laughs> the takeaway from it really is there's some sort of obsession with Gloria, which kind of still incriminates all the same people. Sure, and it's this photography angle. So, yeah, again, I mean, that, that's still kind of heaping it on the same exactly. same suspects, right? Uh, and so that night, Evelyn shows the envelope with pictures of Kim's dead body. Yeah, they get dropped Gloria. off at their mansion. Yeah, she said she just found it under the door. <laughs> It's and an interesting scene when that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the cops come, and that's when they find the pitchfork that looks like it's never been used. They even say, like, oh, it's not been touched. Yeah, yeah, once. it's brand new. Uh, and what's really interesting <laughs> is Gloria is kind of, like, upset about this. And Evelyn's first thing is she calls the printer. And we so need that, to run more. Yeah, run another yeah. print of the magazine. Right, right. Uh, and, and the cop mentions, the lead investigator says that they talked to Mark, and Mark said the only thing he saw about the killer was blonde hair. Mm. It's uh, Inspector there Corsi. There could be blonde women, there could yes. be blonde men. He even got- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He's an interesting character in this film, because it's like it almost seems like most of the time he doesn't care. Oh, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we've seen two blonde women so far, mm. with Evelyn and Fiora. So. But we saw, we saw the back of the killer... It looks like a person in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. we we know. We know. Well, we know, but Mark was, you know. It could be anyone. Yeah. Mark was too busy jerking it up there or something, so. <laughs> Ooh, okay. You know, you know he was. Well, I wasn't going to talk about He's it. He's Mark. 
Fucking Mark. <laughs> oh, then there's that funny scene the next day. They're dropping off the magazines at a newsstand. Dude's opening it, and Kim's all over the front. And he goes to the trash bin, like a dumpster, <laughs> yeah. and her body's in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing an interview with the cops. And he's talking about how... Uh, he was so shocked after seeing her so sexy and pretty on that magazine cover. <laughs> yes. That was another one of the moments where Piper goes, what the fuck? <laughs> like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. I guess that's maybe the, the trigger warning for this film, if you're going to go in on it. If stuff, if stuff like that unsettles you, <laughs> there's, really, there's really a lot in this one. Yeah. She actually told me, she's like, have fun uh, breaking down misogyny in an hour and a half. And I was like, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, then we get another scene with Fiora. And she's with her, her assistant. I didn't get her name. I don't think it doesn't really matter. No, oh, she's she barely had, in it. I mean, yeah. she had lines. She had lines, but she's not really a principal player. And see, that's where I wondered, like, is she related to her? Is she her personal assistant? Is she one of her models? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of nebulous. It is. But she's just, like, walking around her house in lingerie. And she's pissed off. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, Fiora's pissed that off that... <laughs> in your house? Well. Do you? Random people walking around in lingerie? No, it's just me. <laughs> we already know that. We've established that It's just already. me. Uh, so Fiora's pissed about the magazine selling so well. And she also mentions that one of her models, Sabrina, has defected and went to Pussycat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll they, meet they her later. a better deal. Yeah, we'll meet her later. And she's like hate-watching videos of Gloria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny thing. Yeah. So, mm, so okay. that I guess that's kind of where you you're getting the thing like she's into her, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. and there was this exchange that they had in the office. Too. I just thought it was this thing of like she feels like she made her what she is, mm. and it's sort of like that, like you know, you were you were I, my thing that I. I think up. she was grooming her. <clears throat> Maybe I think Jason's projecting. <laughs> oh my god! No, it's totally there. It's not even <laughs> I subtext. Didn't, I didn't get that. Though. Go back and watch the scene again. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, just, just let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> let him get it out of the system just projecting <laughs> uh let's see okay then what happens oh, oh okay okay killer episode guys we're really nailing this <laughs> this uh this is around when alex comes in right exactly george eastman's character george eastman yes Gloria's at this film set runs through an old bull of hers called alex mm-hmm. played by george eastman who's basically playing himself because alex is an actor in in movies yeah his costume even looks like something in one of those post-apocalyptic movies yeah. or something which he was in in game um, yeah in game yeah we watched uh oh and funny enough um in 1980 um grandi and eastman were in anthropophagus together which is an uh, amazing cool. film yeah. and then this was kind of like a reunion for them yeah yeah he has a great line when they're like rekindling their their relationship or whatever and they're sitting having a drink and he's like well you know sometimes things you you thought were going to be bad turn out could have been good mm-hmm. and i was just worried because you know it could have led to kissing and then the marriage and then it's like <laughs> he just leads this like very oh this would have been the worst thing in my life like it's really selling it man you're really coming back hard here but she also has, she has this great line that she says you'll never change you'll be a villain until the day you die Mm-hmm. And George Eastman was always cast as the bad guy. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I thought that was a nice reference to his career. Yeah. Um, and this is where you really kind of get the like Skinamax vibe of this film because while it is like there's a lot of eroticism <laughs> and stuff, yeah. when they finally have their like sex scene together, I think that's a little later on, but it's like this very slow, like they're in the tub together kind of thing. It doesn't really. Yeah. It's. I was gonna mention that scene too. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> it's it's very Skinamax, but it's never super explicit. Well, it's. 
also, I don't know. There's a lot of booby close-ups. Well, that, but besides that, though, is what I mean. Like He's basically laying next to her, and I'm yeah. not sure what he's doing, but she's thrashing around like Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls in that pool. And George Eastman must be like, Mucho man, because he's barely touching her. And she's <laughs> just. Is he a manly man? He's a manly man. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, and before that, Mark sees them go to her house mm-hmm. and they're like smooching outside. Oh, and Mark is. And he's playing um, with a gun. He's cleaning his guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mark is like aiming his gun like at. Yeah, and Alex, Alex like wanted to shoot him, or so it's whatever. trying to up the like is he the killer yeah, thing, the and killer. we we get a little more about him too, where it's like he's got servants, he's clearly rich too. Yes, his parents are away. He was in some kind of accident. Yes, and it's a thing where it's like I guess he's not like permanently in the wheelchair, but it's like a temporary thing, or right. It's a little vague. He's recovering, it might even be like psychosomatic or something mm-hmm. because of the guilt and everything. He just can't walk. Jason's reading a lot into some of this storyline. <laughs> Jason loves this film. It's a great movie. Okay, anyway. Uh, right, right. And that sexy tub scene, her brother walks in. Yeah. Tony. And he really lingers. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I would have knocked if I knew you had a gentleman with you. If I'd have known George Eastman was in here. <laughs> oh. And they're both just looking at him like, okay. Come on, dude. Killing the mood, bro. <laughs> Oh, oh, and the next scene is amazing. Do you know why the next scene is amazing? The next photo shoot we see with Sabrina? Yep. With the mummies? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I wasn't placing that that was it. Yeah, there's, yeah. This, there's this sexy photo shoot, and they're like like in torn adventure yes. gear, costume, and these mummies come out. All oh, the mummies look like Eddie, though. They have Eddie Matt. Those are legitimate Eddie Matt. Are they really? Yeah. Awesome. It's ones they released after... Um, Power Slave. Oh, uh, great. And I was straight yeah, up was like, like a horror like movie Eddie. set that yeah, they're on. Yeah, right. And That's I'm like, fun. more of this, please. <laughs> but it was so cool seeing Eddie masks. It was great. <laughs> the rest of that is like very questionable art direction. That Well, it's stuff like, yeah, go grab her breast. Yeah, you're, you're upset because you can't feel them through your bandages. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's giving her direction. And she's, he's like, you're scared. You're terrified. But now, now you, you kind of like it. <laughs> you like it, yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope that photo shoots aren't that now still. I, I don't know. I don't think they would be. I feel <laughs> I like in not. today's culture, that would not be, that would not fly. Uh, I don't, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, uh, let's see. Okay. Oh, another piece of information we get next is that Alex has to go abroad for a movie. Mm, yeah. And, uh, but Gloria calls for him and is told by someone that, He's not there. There's no picture shooting. Where's Alex? Yeah, it's like he lied. Yeah. Yeah. What's he lying about? What's he being so dodgy about? And then we, then he'll do it again. <laughs> That's right. So he's, maybe he's the killer. Maybe he's always a villain. <laughs> they, okay. A lot of these red herring like tosses they never landed quite right for me. Did I don't either know. of you ever? That's most red herrings. That Alex was the killer. No. Yeah, I didn't either. No, but also casting George Eastman, you're like I could see that because he's usually the bad guy. No, but. It doesn't work. No, I'm not saying it works. I see the theory behind it, but that's the thing with all these movies. Because I'll say the, in Death Walks at Midnight, I never really suspected that it was the boyfriend in the end, that he was like the linchpin. Uh-huh. Okay. So I thought that one was executed really well. well. I knew that the entire time. I mean, I so. guess maybe we're not all as sophisticated. I guess we're just not <laughs> as refined Jason. as you, Jason. <laughs> and we can't solve murders. Um, in this one, and I'll say it from, we'll get to it, so I don't want to spoil it yet, but mm-hmm. from like the opening scene, I knew who the killer was in this. Well, yeah. They give it away completely with that fucking stare he gives. 
Oh, yeah. Spoiler, guys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I guess you can tune out now. We got a ways to go still. Yeah, we got a ways to go. Okay. My pop filter is not working with me. It's gone limp. <laughs> oh, much like uh, Tony's penis in the next scene. Yeah. Ooh, segue. Because he can't make it with Sabrina. Yeah. Which this is where Piper was like, what kind of, who the fuck asked for this? <laughs> like, who asked for this type of movie? But we actually see this in um, one of the Death Walks movies, too. Mm, it's High Heels, isn't it? I think it is. The like, impotency? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that seems, that's also kind of another... Well, that gets into that, like, a lot of the, like, crazed killer aspects in Giallo, usually there's, like, a sexual link. Oh, Not yeah. always, but often. Almost always, yeah. But yeah, in the same thing, and I, I wish I could remember which one. I think it's High Heels, though. I think so. That, um, was, that was the hornier of the two. <laughs> yeah. That definitely had that scene where he like strangled a prostitute mm-hmm. because she said he couldn't get it up mm-hmm. and she, she kind of does the same thing sabrina does yeah which is very like oh don't worry baby it's okay like i'm not gonna leave you unsatisfied yeah kind of she's very cool about it um but yeah that seems to be kind of a running thing in giallo films mm-hmm. of like men taking out their sexual frustration Oh, I mean, that's the thing with a lot of serial killers. They yeah. don't get sexually aroused unless they're killing somebody. Yeah, so. they get the, the wires crossed there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he leaves after a little bit. <laughs> she goes to take a shower. Like you do. As you do. Um, then someone in the beekeeper outfit. <laughs> not the most menacing giallo, you know. I can dig it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it should have been the whole time if that was like the theme, you know. But the yeah. beekeeper. I could, I could get on with that. Yeah. In a world. <laughs> so he comes in, and he's like peeping on her or whatever, and we see the whole red-blue yeah, vision thing again, and we see a giant bee head <laughs> in, instead of her face. And I love these, because they're so low budget, but they just like go for it, man. They, just... they also, it's effective. I mean, it's a surreal mm-hmm. quality that's kind of interesting. I wish there was more of this. That, that is one of my criticisms of the film, is they make this amazing idea of like the killer's vision, I don't think they use it enough. Mm-hmm. And That's I actually, the delirium that you're supposed to kind of fall into. I had a note about it, too, because uh, in an interview, Bava said that after he had done the other two Gialli that he made, he started to feel a little unenthusiastic about the genre. And he said that he preferred working on more fantastical stuff like demons. And so he said with delirium, what he really wanted to do was to try to explore the notion of the killer's point of view and have their perception and kind of their, like... Yeah, put you crazed in mental state like projected for you and like how they see the world right and he was also really influenced by Alberto Savinio's paintings mm. he was a surrealist he died in 1952 but he would paint like animals on people's heads interesting like give me a, a link bo- for that and I'll put it yeah, in the show notes absolutely yeah um yeah so hot chick body with the bee head <laughs> it's kind of like that uh, buzz off character from Masters of the Universe <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so he has, looks like a shoebox. He opens it up and all these bees come out. That's how you carry, that's how I carry my bees. <laughs> that's how you carry your bees? In a shoebox. In a shoebox. And they start flying around and stinging her and she quickly succumbs to their stings. No, it wasn't very quick. Okay, so my, well she's running around naked. It was a long scene. So my question yeah. is, did he train the bees for this moment? No. Or? They, well, they, they addressed that. They addressed that. that. <laughs> the, 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 the part of the plot. They yeah. addressed this in the plot. But the funny thing is, is... <laughs> I'm watching this movie and like Piper just has this running commentary going off and she's like, the fucking window's open. Like, just go outside, man. <laughs> like the window was open to the balcony. 
that you can clearly I see. I can see her being in a panic or something. You know, I mean. Clearly, you don't have a bee allergy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> the cops find her body off screen. Uh, Gloria's there to identify it or something, I think I so, yeah, yeah. And the cop says that, yeah, uh, in the perfume, he calls it essence of tuberous, which is a real thing, apparently. Yeah. Was it just like a popular scent at the time? or? Uh, the tuberous is like, it's like really expensive. Mm. Uh, but anyway, apparently, according to him, it would drive the bees crazy. It would oh. They would be attracted to her and get aggressive. So it was very much explained in the movie. You missed that part, Dustin. I'm going to be honest. In the middle. You're going to be honest? In, in the middle of this film, it gets kind of slow. A little too slow no, for me. No, it does. It gets a little slow. And I think I nodded. But I still paid attention. I think I nodded off for a little bit. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and we, that, might, that might be a preview of my final thoughts on the I film. I thought you liked this movie. Okay. We'll, we'll get into it. All right. Clearly, Dustin nodded off or else he would have caught that expert clue. Mm-hmm. You know, the killer's smart. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a scene where Gloria finally realizes that the picture in the background were like old pictures of hers that Roberto has a negatives to. Mm-hmm. So that ups Roberto on the suspect list. Yeah, yep. Uh, <laughs> it's that dream that she has. Oh, God. Yeah, she's laying in bed. Toss that in. And uh, Mark rolls in on his wheelchair. <laughs> and he's got like. Like a glow rod or something? It's like some rod-like flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little mini lightsaber. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, that He LARPs. That's his weapon. You know? yeah. And he begins to pretty much molest her with it. Oh, he straight up rapes her with it. Eventually, right. Yeah. But... but it's a dream. Yes. In this scene, he gets up and chases her. She tries to run. He just gets right up off the wheelchair. And yeah, continues to assault her. Because really, in her mind, she kind of keeps going back to him as right. like... He, to her, he is the most sketchiest yeah, I mean, of the bunch. With good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she wakes up from a dream. <laughs> um, and but she's, the, she's, the dream is not just exploitive. It, it, like you say, it reminds us that she suspects that it's Mark. Mm-hmm. It has a point. And kind of in this middle part, because I did pick up on this once, you know, I, I nodded back up. Oh, okay. Um, she starts to have a lot of regrets about the magazine, because at first she's ironclad, like, I'll never sell it. Mm-hmm. And she starts to feel like, well, are we being exploitative? of our models that they're dying and we're selling all these issues. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of profiting off of death. Profiteering off of exploitation. Yeah, and she whatever. really starts to like regret that and kind of wants to just get back to like the, what you were saying. She wants to go back to just being a model and just like, it's all on her. And it's not so much like she is like working off of everyone else. And she really gets into that in the department store, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in that scene, she almost just fantasizes about what she'd rather be doing, what she <laughs> wishes she was doing. Uh, but before the department store scene, we uh, see that Alex is back. Yep. And there's another Skidamax scene in her sauna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time, Tony does not interrupt. Luckily. Yeah. And then, yeah, she goes to the department store to meet her brother and his girlfriend, Susan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, she's kind of reminiscing about, I was thinking about modeling again. And she's looking at like clothes that. and yeah. being like, you know, I could wear this and stand it's, there. And They were talking about doing a shoot there, right? Because mm-hmm. the place is closed. Susan works there, I think, yeah. right? But there's even a line where they're like, um, well, they make men's clothing as fancy as they make ours now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're getting fashionable, aren't they? <laughs> and was it? Tony has some dumbass line about like... That's all he has. Yeah, he's like, well, we've got to look good for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she kind of wanders off by herself. Tony gets frisky on the escalator. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, They're kind of making out. She's looking around and she's like, okay, guys, come on. 
And then the escalator's coming up, and oh, it's Tony's body. She says, if you want to play with fire. Yeah. Which I didn't, I've never heard it called playing with fire. Well, Susan, a redhead? No. I don't know. Jason. <laughs> she probably had like chlamydia or gonorrhea. Oh, God. Playing with fire, and I don't know. Oh, man, this episode's classy as fuck. <laughs> so anyway. I don't know if we'll get to that third giallo or not. <laughs> <laughs> we see Tony's bloody body coming up the escalators. Yep. She freaks out. Gloria freaks out, starts running around. She's calling for Susan. Susan's not there. There was a cool scene where she's going by a mirror, mm-hmm. and you see behind her in a reflection. It's probably a mannequin, but it has like a blonde wig. Yeah. And so she freaks thinking, out about it, too. I don't think she notices it, though. I thought there's, like, she gets tangled with the mannequin. It, like, drops over the edge. Yeah, that's a little bit after mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. after this Different scene, mannequin. Right? It's a different mannequin. Or was that the killer? Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and then she finds Susan. Her throat's been slit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where they have the weird music cue that you were talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. it is not appropriate music here. She takes off running. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I don't even know how to describe. <laughs> it's like upbeat, fast-paced, like '80s rock. The mood is just totally. Maybe you should sample a little bit of it here because it's uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so then what happens? Um, da, 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 da. Yes. Okay, so then Evelyn finds more pictures and Susan's body in her car. Mm-hmm. So. And also, this is a big thing because, right, Tony has been one of the suspects and now he's out because he's dead. Uh, Right, exactly. There's one of our red herrings eliminated. Um, And Evelyn could still be a suspect, Mm -hmm. although it'd be really weird if she's acting that freaked out by herself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, Gloria gets a call from Alex who said he isn't back yet. But he'll be in Rome on Monday. <laughs> and you see that huge shot of the Colosseum <laughs> behind him. I've never noticed. So I've seen a lot of people pose in front of the Colosseum. And I have never seen an office building. I don't or know. Or anything like right across the street from it. But it's perfectly framed. Perfectly framed. <laughs> so either he's lying or he's incredibly geographically challenged. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in Rome. <laughs> I'm in Rome right now. What if it's just he just gets like lost terribly? <laughs> <laughs> he's, such, he's really a good guy. He just keeps getting lost everywhere. He's like a, a guy Pierce and Memento. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. he, he got the script and he's like, what's my backstory? They're like, we don't have one. He's like, can I, can I make one up? Sure. Give it your best. <laughs> well, actually, I get lost all the time. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Oh, uh, and then we get to see Roberto's apartment, and he has a Confederate flag hanging in there. Oh, for some yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how we're supposed to feel because now, right, we're like, ooh. Yeah. But then at the time, that wasn't so stigmatized. No, I mean, but it was like, a hazard. It was so everywhere. It's like, why does he have it? Right, is it? Why does an Italian man have a Confederate flag? I don't know. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, ooh, what? Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. But he's freaking out. Because he finds out then that those negatives are gone. Are gone. Yeah. Yes. See, I followed this movie. I knew yeah. what's happening. <laughs> um, and so he's trying. Now he's got to get to Gloria and tell her, you know, that the the negatives are gone. Yeah. The cops show up at his place. But he's already left, mm-hmm. and they call Gloria to say, "Hey, don't talk to Roberto." Yeah. They, we, they think it's him now at this yeah. point. Yeah. And then he's knocking at the door. <laughs> and but he's already said, like, you know, if somebody could take pictures of the negatives. And then you could make as many of them as you want. Right. So it basically is kind of like, 
leading you back down. It could be anybody. Yeah, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, she starts running away from him. And one of the slowest runaways ever. <laughs> yeah. She kind of meanders around the pool a little bit. And he's still inside, like, banging on the window. Yeah. It's like, just go out the door, dude. Uh, <laughs> Same re- People are door challenged in this film. Like, bees, door. <laughs> Person you want to get to, door. <laughs> And so she runs across the street, and he chases after her, and this white car just runs right over him. Mows him down. That keeps on going, doesn't even stop. But you can kind of see it's the person in the wig again at the wheel. Not really. They don't really show that yet. They show that a little bit later. Did you see it? Maybe maybe it was just me. How did you watch this? On a DVD. See, I watched a Blu-ray. Maybe you had better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. High fidelity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shout Maybe out. it's like when they insert Palpatine in uh, like the... Empire Strikes Empire Back. Empire Strikes yeah. Back, yeah. Maybe he had that scene and you didn't. Shout Maybe. out to uh, Code Red. I think they're the ones that put it out on blue. Cool. Awesome. Or they actually like edited in... Um, so you're telling me they went back and did some computer generated thing put Hank, on this movie, and that's the Hank only thing they did. Driving the car <laughs> instead of Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> uh, um, great. Okay. Yep. So obviously it's not him because he's dead. He's dead now. It can't be him. Or if he is, the killer's dead now. So everything's safe, right? So we're running out of, but we're running out of suspects here, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And, and Mark uh, calls her again, and we see him begin to stand out of his wheelchair. Yeah. So now we're like, oh. He can actually walk. Yeah. Faker. Yeah. Fucking faker. <laughs> it needs John Goodman to come in there and tear him out of his wheelchair and make him walk. <laughs> I always think of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels um, in mm-hmm. a, any scene like that. But yeah. The, <laughs> may I use the restroom? Oh, yes. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Uh, okay. And then, okay, then we get to, like, near the end. There's a scene, and maybe we've already went past it, but the cemetery scene. Is yeah. That, when is that? that it's a little is, earlier, right? It's a little earlier than this. She goes to f- visit her uh, husband's grave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, like, a picture of her on the grave? Yeah. Ominously. Yeah, ominously. She has a cat, I think. And this is one of those scenes, I, I wanted to mention it just because of what happened. She, she kind of leaves flustered by the photo, and she bumps into Tony. So it must be before the department scene. It is. Obviously, because um, Tony's dead. And then she's like, why are you here? What's going on? Why, you follow me or what? <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, I'm your brother. I always know where you are. Yeah. And it's very... And he mm. says, if I don't know, I imagine it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Tony. Yeah. I just wanted to get that in there, because that's you're, one of the creepiest parts with him. You're right. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the audio cut of this, the way... Like, it's not very <laughs> well done audio. But I kept cracking up because the way it sounds every time she's like, oh, hey, Tony. Yeah. Uh, it always sounds like, oh, hey, dummy. <laughs> like, every <laughs> time. <laughs> like, well, no wonder. You just yeah. call him dummy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, dummy. <laughs> hey, Tony. Give <laughs> me. Uh, so, okay. So Gloria's chilling at her house, right? Right. She hears a noise. She goes to investigate, finds like a slashed picture of her yeah. on the floor. Goes outside and Tony's body's in the pool. And so. isn't it? Oh, I hate to keep pausing us on this. No, isn't it before this that she decides to sell the magazine? Yeah, yeah she we should talk about that too. Right, you're right. Right, she's she's at her limits. She's too much trouble, and she wants to just be done with it. And so she finally gives in and says, "Hey, I'll sell you the magazine." But they have like an office visit, right, where they mm-hmm. sign the papers and stuff, right. And she kind of gets like one last snide remark in where she's like, "I would have sold it to you for less." Yeah, like I'll, yeah. basically, I would have given it to you almost mm-hmm. is what. She implies. Um, and yes. Jason was like, oh, you would have given it to me. Because, you know, he thinks that they have a love relationship. 
<laughs> because that's what he wants. He's projecting this. Uh... <laughs> now you're the one projecting. Wow. I don't know, man. So yeah, yeah. She okay. comes out. Tony's, Tony's in, the in the pool. Uh, and then she freaks out, runs inside. And that's when she has like these little flashbacks mm-hmm. where she sees like a blonde wig falling off that mannequin that fell. Mm-hmm. And she sees the blonde hair in the car that hit Roberto. And isn't there something with Evelyn at this point too? Isn't she like... Oh, she got a note from Evelyn. Like yeah. Evelyn was out. Yeah. She's like, if you're not doing the magazine mm-hmm. making me money, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> so, but she's still a suspect. Yeah, because it could be like a revenge thing now. Right, she, exactly. You ruined the, the empire. Yeah, I was going to take over the magazine or something. Uh, <laughs> so, and this is very much like a lot of the Argento films, where the protagonist had witnessed something but didn't quite understand it. Right, and in, the, in this one moment, the little little piece of information that clears it all up yeah. clicks. Mm-hmm. She goes back out. Tony's body is not in the pool. But then he jumps out of the shadows wearing a blonde wig. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. He's Tony's not dead. Alive. It's Tony. Hey, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... And he did look kind of creepy in that scene, I thought. The makeup was good. I like yeah. the makeup, yeah. Right. It was the same look he had while he was dead mm-hmm. in the department store. Mm-hmm. So it looked like probably the same makeup. And he's just been like waiting yeah. for a while like, <laughs> to do his reveal. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't showered in three days. <laughs> he's got this line. He takes off the wig and assures her that he hasn't become a transvestite. Yeah. yeah. He's like, don't worry. I'm not a transvestite. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just a killer. Oh, that's much better. As long as you're not a transvestite. But, but no, it's worse. He's, uh... <laughs> he tells her that he has loved her ever since he was... Like, loved her ever mm-hmm. since he yeah. was a kid. Yeah. He thought every, everyone he killed, he thought was coming between them. Yep. They were getting in the way. way. Yep. And now he revels in... Oh, good. He talks about, like, what Kim, the very first one, like, it was like she was going to replace her. Right. And be, like, the new star of the magazine. Can't have that. Mm. Uh, and, uh, let's see. Yeah, he thinks... He's glad that everyone thinks he's dead, because now he'll be free. Mm-hmm. But as long as Gloria is alive, he'll never be free. So he has to kill her. Free from his obsession. Yes. Right. But he wants to see her breast one more time. One more time. He's got to see her naked one more time. Yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> so this is a pretty disturbing part. Yeah, he's threatening her with a knife and everything and, and cutting off her clothes. Yeah. And it's unpleasant, but I mean, he's a killer, you know. It's horrible. Uh, but suddenly there's a shot and his groin explodes. <laughs> <laughs> he's I mean, been shot be, in the dick. Could there be a more perfect punishment right, for the very, crime? Very fitting. You know what I just thought of, though, with him cutting her clothes off with the knife and he's like, Pointing at her legs and stuff, and her breasts with the knife. We saw that in um, the Death Walks movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, it, I mean, it's yeah. like a substitute for like the phallus, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially but, when the man is impotent, the knife is his penis now. Yeah, yeah. the hammer is my penis. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm glad but, you brought that up. Though that is a parallel between these two films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm. There's a reason to have me on this show. Someone didn't fall asleep watching it. No, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it zooms up and it's Mark with his rifle. He has this really pleasant smile. Like he's yeah. Well, yeah, he just shot a dude in the dick. He's been wanting to shoot somebody in the dick for a long time. But it's a little too, like, cheery. I don't know. Anyway. What I love, though, is it cuts to the hospital next. It's like, like right the, to the hospital. Kind of the wrap-up. Yeah. But the first thing you learn is that uh, Tony survived. He's, he's going he's gonna to live. But he'll be in a wheelchair all of his life. <laughs> so it's like Marcus, like, condemned him <laughs> to the wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and then there's this scene, you see a wheelchair coming down the hallway. And it's almost like her dream again. Yeah. Yeah. It comes through uh, the door, and yeah, it's Tony with a knife. Ah, oh, it's just a dream. It was really just Mark they, delivering They do flowers. like the, the, the Friday the 13th Yeah, uh, the carry thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, just Mark delivering flowers. This is one of my biggest And he issues. says, hey, I'm going to be able to walk again soon, they say. Yeah. And she just like, ha. And, yeah. And he's like, frozen, don't forget me, right? And frozen she's just, screen. Ah. Yeah. And I, I hate it roll. because it's like, it, it, he just gets off so easy. And That's what no, I was about to say. There's no actual resolution to their like relationship, whatever that is, and it's, the dynamic of it. Well, and I think that's one of the things that we dealt, that we're still dealing with, is that people try to make what Mark did, like, oh, it's no harm, no foul. He's just talking. He's just being a, a creepy guy. Plus, he saved her life. I mean, you right. think about it, she kind of owes him, right? In a lot of ways, like, that's the way that... But unfortunately, that is the vibe that it has. Yeah. 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 And right. that's the way society, up until, thankfully, up until the Me Too movement well, happened. Well, a segment of society, not everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But thankfully, like when the Me Too movement started, people actually started calling dudes on this shit. Right. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not okay. Yeah, you're not entitled to you a don't reward get to, because you did something. You don't get to say shit like that yeah. to somebody. The reward should be that you killed a murderer and stopped a rape. Right, yeah. But instead... Action is its reward, <laughs> okay? Maybe he was just smiling so big because he was actually aiming for the dude's heart. He's like checking the sights. He shot him in the dick and he's like, oh shit. Oh. He's got like a hell of a scope on that rifle. Yeah. Like, right. It's obviously miscalibrated. <laughs> he's just really bad shot. Maybe when he shot, it had a kick to it and it moved the wheelchair. And it was a dick. He didn't have a lock. Yeah. So there's this horrible freeze frame. It's a horrible ending. I agree. But that is Delirium. Subtitle is Photos of Gloria. Yes. Um, yeah, so thoughts. What do you guys think? What's do your... we have any other like facts or notes or interesting bits? Um, let me think here. Uh, da, 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 da. I guess just to go back to the one I brought up about, uh, you know, Bava said his idea was he really wanted to explore the killer's perception. Mm-hmm. Do you think he succeeded at that? To a degree. I think it should have gone further. He, I, he didn't I think take he it far enough. failed, yeah, because he didn't go far enough. It's almost like the makeup and the mask were too expensive. Mm-hmm. They could only afford two. <laughs> but then, too, like, to actually get his mentality, all we really get is like the little bit that he says there in that final scene. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, this is what it is. And it's a very like shallow explanation in a way, because you never get like the, the buildup of any of that. Like, I think of, uh, is it's Tenebrae? You get all the flashbacks that kind of like they thread throughout the film. Right. That by the end of it, you have this sense of like, oh, this is how his, well, his or her yeah. mind is like twisted yes. into like what becomes the killing. Right. Yeah. I think it would be really interesting to see the original script for this film mm-hmm. and maybe see the original storyboard of what maybe was supposed to be there. But then, as I don't think there were storyboards for that. <laughs> so, well, on the one hand, it's I want just to... circles with dots. <laughs> <in the middle. laughs> it's yeah. just some dude drawing boobies. <laughs> so, while I, I hate to say like it is kind of a slow film, and there's parts in the middle that I really think drag a ton. In a way, I almost wish it was longer, and there was a little bit more like meat to the background. I agree. Of the I, I, I agree. I think I think it's a, a good attempt with, mm-hmm. with the whole point of view thing. It's really jarring and cool looking. It should have taken it further. Because it almost feels like if we do the soap opera comparison, this is like the end of some story arc that's built for like 50 episodes. Right. And we're seeing like episodes 45 through 50 or something. Yeah. 
the absolute coolest part of this movie is the is the weird kills with the weird masks. Like, yeah, that's the those highlights. are amazing. That's the highlight, and it feels like there should have been more a lot more of that. There should have been more kills too. I wish the kills were a bit more creative, and the music could have been a lot better. Uh, one funny thing that uh, Baba said in an interview that even in the early two thousands, this would still be played several times a year on Italian television. Well, I'm sure it was a big TV hit. And what he said was because it wasn't too extreme. The killer acts in ways that are acceptable for television, Baba said. Ah, you got to love the Italians, man. European television is so much... Like, there's not as much violence. Well, I guess it depends on your... Probably not as much, like, gun action violence type Mm -hmm. stuff. But, I mean, sex is cool. Right. They don't care about sex at all. But But over here, we freak out about sex. America, everyone can have a gun, but if you (laughs) slip a boob, you're like, oh, that's rated R. Yeah. Yeah. You can see a guy get torn to shreds on Walking Dead. But, yeah, if they show half a nipple, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I want a recording of Jason. I have one. I have a recording of Jason. (laughs) That's what we're doing here, Michael. We're recording things. Isolate that audio. I have. Oh. That's my oh. anime surprise. <laughs> you need to construct oh. a soundboard of funny sounds we all make. Oh. <laughs> I need to mark that. It's like an hour and 18 minutes or something. That's where I need to look. Oh, and the blonde wig thing also reminded me a lot of Dress to Kill. Brian De Palma movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and that was in 1980. So that's quite Which that's a good film to bring up because that's kind of like... You can see, like, there's Giallo, uh, and then the influence from that kind of bled into stuff like Just to Kill. Yeah, absolutely. There's another one that always felt, uh, it's a Bruce Willis movie, that always felt like... Um, Hudson Hawk. No. That <laughs> um, always felt a little jolly to me, um, and I can't fucking think of it. Uh-oh. Shit. Never mind. I'll come up with it sometime. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I guess let's get into our final thoughts. Sure. <clears throat> Michael, start us off. Um... So I remember when we watched this the first time. Yeah, we actually watched this together the first time, I think. Yeah, yeah. right. It was kind of funny because um, our significant others were arguing over what to watch. <laughs> and we decided we just we were just going to go downstairs and watch something. And uh, <laughs> we ended up picking like the horniest movie around. And the whole time we were just like, shh, 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 shh. Yeah. It is a good group movie. It's a good beer movie. Yeah, I want to actually, last time I said watch this alone because it's too horny, but I retract that because I think it's better watched in a group yeah. that is acceptable sure. for that kind of thing. People it's that won't be offended. always better to watch the horniest thing you can find with your best dude friend. <laughs> I think it makes it better. Because <laughs> that was the thing, like, where I was watching it alone and I was by myself, when that middle part hit, I was just like, so, it's like, the fuck is going on? I don't care at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I... I enjoy aspects of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it as a whole, but I think there's enough there's enough little bits and pieces of this movie that would make me watch it again. Mm-hmm. Like even though I've seen it twice now, I'd still watch it yeah, again. Yeah, it's a fun watch. Um, that I think I'm going to land at like probably a three. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be harsh on it, but I don't want to give it too much praise because as far as Giallo goes, like it's pretty bottom of the barrel Giallo. Sorry, Jason. No, I, uh, you're not exactly wrong. Like as far as I'm sure, there's worse because Vinegar Syndrome has those forgotten Gialli collections, and I'm sure those were forgotten for a reason. Well, yeah. if, if Malignant's a Giallo, there's definitely worse. So, but it's not. We know that. We already do. Yeah, I'll I'll sit at a at a strong three. Yeah, okay. for this one. How about you, Dustin? Well, I've kind of shit on it a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. That said, I do think it's very fun. Definitely a group watch movie. I like a lot of the ideas, especially the visuals with the killer the killer vision. I wish there was more of that. 
Um, the central plot is kind of throwaway and whatever, but I think it's the characters that really carry it. Like Serena Grandi's a great actress. She is great. Daria Nicolodi's great. George Eastman. Always. Like really, all the characters generally. Yeah. The ADR is a little sketchy, I think, but like, that's any dubbing. Yeah, that's always going to be a thing. So it is fun and it is enjoyable. I don't think it's like a essential Giallo watch if you're trying to just like I got to hit the big hits or something. Mm-hmm. It's a good Giallo deep cut. I think it's one of those once you've seen it all and you're ready to kind of branch out and. Get that cred, you know, of just, like, jolly that you've seen. Sure. Um, so I would probably come in at, like, three stars. Okay. Cool. I would love to see somebody at a horror convention cosplay. As the eyeball yeah. mask? Yeah. yeah that would be, <laughs> that would be, that cool. would be such a cool cosplay. That would be really cool. I thought you were going to say the beekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> might, might as well. I mean, I mean let's, let's each take one and, you know, eyeball, beekeeper, <laughs> and I guess one of us can do the blonde wig. <laughs> I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna go as the the naked girl who gets stung by the bees. Okay, oh. perfect. Which just I have, have a bee head on. I you. actually have a bee allergy, so just let That's a bee sting me, and then no one will know. <laughs> <laughs> you might die, but it's totally worth it's it. It's worth it. It's for the art. All right, Jason, it was your pick to bring to the table. Uh-huh. What's your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it is trashy. It's not like quote good movie, but you know what? I could follow it. I mm-hmm. knew what was going on. I've watched other. Gialli, and I'm like, wait, wait, huh, what? Were they just like esoteric levels of red herrings? Exactly. Yeah. So I was never lost, you know. I've always, I was always engaged. I wasn't. It does lull a bit in the middle, but mm-hmm. not terribly. I don't think. Um, I think it's a good example of what the late '80s were becoming mm-hmm. when it comes to Gialli or slashers. Given over more to the slasher, right? Elements. I, I consider the last great Giallo of the original mm-hmm. movement to probably be Opera. Oh, I love opera too. And that's 88, I think. It's late 80s for sure. I yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see what had happened to it. Uh, and Baba, I think Lamberto Baba is a little underrated. I think he's a good director. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish he had gotten to do more movies because I was looking at his filmography. That was really what struck me is I was kind of sad when I looked at the list of like what he worked on and then what he actually directed. And I was like, you know, once he started directing, he really cut off pretty quick. Yeah, which is, it's which unfortunate because, like we said, Demons is great. Uh, this is a fun movie. Uh, Blade in the Dark is really good. And even this, like, if this was his worst, like, yeah, it's, it's still, way it, better than a ton of stuff. Yeah, way better. Um, but I, I, I yeah, it's just a fun movie. I think uh, I, w- I would give it three and a half stars personally. All right, so we're kind of all in the same spot on yeah, it, really. Yeah, it's not a classic, like you say. It's not something you have to see. But if you've seen everything else and you haven't seen this one, or you're a Baba fan. Just check it out. The nice thing about Delirium is that technically it's a very good movie. Like as far as on the technical standpoints, yeah. there's really like a lot of Jolly have like weird shots, you know, mm. or like weird cuts, weird edits that only, aren't artistically valid. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I can say about this one was just on the, the soundtrack side mm-hmm. wasn't put together that great, but that didn't have anything to do with, the way the film was composed, really, like it's right. put together really well and it's shot well. I do think the visuals are a little sketchy to me. It has yeah. that like TV quality, but it was they, never they can be a little flat. You're it right. was never enough that I was like, "Oh, what is this?" Yeah, you know, right. Cool. Well, I'm glad you guys didn't hate it. Oh, oh, it's, no. it's fun, man. I already know. So, according to you, Michael, this is a better movie than The Reflecting Skin. Is that correct? I oh, uh, God, I I don't really like that you can put these two together. <laughs> I'm just, you know, when you're rating a film, 
You've rated this higher than the reflecting skin. Did you have reflecting skin pulled up to remember like how I rated it? No, but it just stuck in my head. He's got you... a closet where he just has like a hate board. That's just I think I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I think Dustin agrees with me that we we think that's a phenomenal film, mm. like legendary capital A art. And you just I think he gave it like two stars or something like that. Mm. <laughs> well, he's just not sophisticated enough to understand obviously, the, the deep the, the, the deep meaningful layers. He feels very attacked right now. <laughs> I don't mean I to like... attack you. Actually, I do. <laughs> Just uh, on the video blurb, I see Michael's quote being better than the reflecting skin. <laughs> Wait, everyone's different. Yeah, everyone. And that's okay. I think different... we talk about sometimes the way like ratings go based on how a movie makes you feel. Sure. Rather than... It's often even in the moment. It's all relative. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something about reflecting skin that just did not hit with me. I found myself thinking about it a lot, though. Yeah, like something. it definitely stuck with me. I doesn't mean it would make me change my rating on it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's a high concept film. Yeah, a lot of ideas. It's elevated horror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Delirium is not elevated horror. I would beg to differ. <laughs> well, <laughs> some things it may were, cause elevation. Some things were elevated. That's for sure. And yeah. that is a the final thought throwaway thing I should say is if you do enjoy erotic thrillers and there's nothing okay, nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, this maybe is one you should check out as like a cross blend between those. Cause right. there's a lot of overlap. Sure. Absolutely. If you like what's, you know, 3am Cinemax delirium <laughs> is your max. game. You could do worse. If you've seen all the Emmanuel movies, go, go for this one, <laughs> man. They're still doing that though. Like the Cinemax when like, even when they, tried to pull away from that and like Cinemax wanted to get their own programming mm-hmm. and they went for like did you ever see the show Banshee no on Cinemax it's not bad it's actually a pretty good show but damn they did like some really boundary pushing sex scenes where you're like <laughs> oh well, uh, look at HBO with Game of Thrones or stuff like that yeah there's some stuff like in those that I'm like okay it's really hard to take this show super seriously mm-hmm. when there's like straight up porn happening right here <laughs> Like, just a slight angle, and I'm wondering, like, are they actually doing it? Like, are they... I think they might actually be doing it. <laughs> so, Cinemax hasn't changed, man. And now they got bought by HBO Max, mm-hmm. and they have Max Originals, um, which still keep to that. <laughs> <laughs> the dream lives on. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. All right, so... It did. <laughs> <laughs> the next of uh, the final Giallo films right. is Dustin's We pick. have one more... And I really curated this choice because I thought about the stuff we've talked about. We've looked at two different, very different styles of Giallo, kind of from roughly the same, like, well, yeah, I, the 70s, I one of the 80s. Different one, eras, yeah. Different eras. And kind of to the background of this, we've had our conversation about this, like, there's these modern films. Revival. And are they, are they reviving it? There's this idea of the, quote, neo-Giallo. And so I thought we need to watch a film to, like, actually check that out and have a discussion about it, I think, more in depth. So what I've selected for our final film, and I think it'll push us into February, but whatever, you know, Giallo January all the way. We're going into overtime. We're going to check out Knife Plus Heart from 2018, directed by Jan Gonzalez. Okay. So So this is one that's been on my list for a while, and I haven't seen it. uh, It's got a lot of buzz. It's really cool. I've seen it before. I I think neither of you have, right? So I'll be interested to see what you guys think. It's French, so we're stepping out of Italy to another country, and it's 2018, so it's quite new. Okay, and there are purists who say if it's not Italian, it ain't giallo. I disagree with that because I think there's a lot of Spanish gialli that I've seen that are quite good, and they're from that time of like the 70s and the I, 80s. I concur. So we're gonna like test both of those with another country. Does it still get that feel? 
modern day, can they still capture that feel? Okay. Can't wait. And it's uh, streaming on Shutter, so it's very easy to access. Get Excellent. out there, yep. sub to Shutter, check it out. Excellent. Yeah. As always, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Please continue to write us. We absolutely love comments and messages that you send us. Appreciate it so much. And send us more movie suggestions. Yeah, it makes our uh, personal chat threads light up. We're like, hey, did you see so-and-so send us a message? <laughs> and we <laughs> yeah, like, geek out over who gets to respond and everything like that because we're nerds. Um, so, yeah, we really love that. But like Dustin said, please continue to send us uh, film references. I think we, we're getting close to... A- Yep, after Mac Plus Heart, we'll do our first uh, listener one for the year. All right. Just a reminder, we're going to break these blocks up. Mm -hmm. Um, After we finish our three picks, we're going to use our fourth pick as a listener suggestion and do those before we go into our next block. So we've got a good list started, but we always want more. Yes. Also, because if we don't get to those, we just want to watch something we haven't seen before. Damn right. Feed the beast. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as always, continue, comment, write us, whatever you guys want to do. Until next time, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everybody. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening